So what are your thoughts? My USC, thoughts? US, UCLA, now in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Rutgers been in for Complete. four or five years. Yes. A little while. So you're, you're an established Big Ten school now, let's say. Yeah. West Coast now in the, in the mix. What are your guys' thoughts? I think um, they're setting themselves up for like a, a, a minor league football league. Okay. Right, so the NFL really doesn't have a feeder league. You know, the XFL is coming and going. Yeah. Right, but I think with the NI, NI is that right? NIL, NIL, right? And paying players, right? I think the bigger their pool now, the the more leverage they're gonna have to really, you know, pull something together. Yeah, the NIL. That's that's probably a whole another. That's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. A, yeah. Uh, and that might include, you know, a couple of beers because <laughs> even, co- I, well, I, not to go down that path, but I've been seeing some coaches now coming out and saying, yeah, I don't know, maybe this wasn't the greatest idea. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah. we'll delve into that later. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with USC and UCLA on the docket to, to enter the Big Ten, in, and I have no say in this matter whatsoever, but like I, I'm thinking, at least two more West Coast schools have got to join because you're not going to fly out there. Yeah, no just question. For two schools. For two, yeah. So is it Washington, Oregon? Is it somebody else? What do you, What do you guys think? I mean, I'd be cool to have Washington join. I think. I mean, I'm out that way a decent amount for right. work and stuff like that. So it'd just be kind of fun to be able to catch a game on both ends of it or go see Purdue playing Washington when is there I'm out some there. strategy to make sure or I mean Oregon's a big school yeah um, they have decent football and basketball program mm-hmm. but you have the Nike no, connection yeah. no no question yeah. you know I that's part or, of yeah it. very strategic uh, having Oregon in there right? yeah um, yeah. Phil Knight and, and, uh-huh. and the folks over there at Nike you you want them in your league I would yeah. think uh, um, when this when this thing shakes out right there's, yeah. gonna, there's probably gonna be these super leagues and you want to have a team like Oregon their connections you know yeah. right with you yeah and then, of course, if so, if that drops, then of course, then the big question mark is what happens in South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, yeah. It's, it's interesting again, right? The um, the TV contract or whatever they've been held, holding out on, right. you know, uh, traditionally, I think all that stuff is kind of going away, right? And NBC, like I think you said, signed with the with the Big E, so uh, are right. the big not Big Ten now. Yeah. Um. So I think it's going to be um interesting to see what like what they're waiting for now. Yeah, like what right. would be their reasoning would be interesting to figure yeah. out. Because yeah. TV contracts are now starting with the letter B. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. it's just a shit ton of money in stake. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited, I think. Yeah. Change is good, right? Maybe. It can be. It can yeah. be. We'll see. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see. <laughs> is this thing on? All right, kids. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Summits Podcast. Thank you for joining us wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you guys are watching here on the Heroes Foundation YouTube channel, thank you. Uh, Today's guest, if you haven't already figured out, is Mr. Gary Brackett. Gary, welcome to the Summits Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, For those who may not know who you are, why don't you give us a a quick background on where you're from, kind of the the early years of Gary, Mm -hmm. and we'll go from there. Yeah, so Jersey kid. So grew up, born and raised in Jersey, uh, Camden, New Jersey. I don't know if you're familiar with Camden, mm-hmm. New Jersey. Not Camden, um, nope. no. So they had a record. Um, they were the number one um, murder capital of the world. They, oh, they, okay. they held that distinction right. for a number of years. I mean, somebody's yeah. got to be number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but, so then we grew up um, there for about five, six years. Then moved to a small town called Glassboro, which is like 
I, now I'm learning. I'm older. You think like, oh, we're, like it's, it's a suburb. It's like, it's like, I think there's a difference between like Carmel's a suburbs. Like mm-hmm. Glassboro is like a town. Okay, it was just yeah. like a just a town, right? Yeah. Uh, it has a college in there. It's big. Okay. Um, so grew up playing sports, um, loving sports. Uh, I had three older brothers, one younger sister. Um, and I, I step, tell the story like uh, my mom um, had a drug problem. Like she drugged me everywhere I had to go. Right? So not real <laughs> yeah. drugs. Yeah. She used to, yeah. you know, so with that it was choir. Like that. It was church. She was an ordained reverend. Okay. Um, so uh, just very active childhood. Just, you know, yeah. always out, always on the go, playing sports. Um, and I guess when I got to high school, I realized like my best sport was baseball. Okay. I was going to ask you of the sports you played growing up and mm-hmm. not to uh, – you know, going to what you, what you ended up doing, but was there a sport that stood out from the others that you liked the most as a kid? So baseball was cool, but then as you got older, it was like less, you know, action. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's not hitting anymore. You're getting pitches that are really good. Yeah. Um, you're getting on base. No one's hitting you home. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's very lonely out there, right? Right. So yeah. football – when I really started to understand, like, you can hit people and not get in trouble, right? <laughs> I was like, this, this could be, be fun. On, I, I yeah. might be on to something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's where I kind of stuck with football and just always was an aggressive kid. Like I said, three older brothers. So I was always playing. You're always in a fight. Yeah, and I yeah. was always, like, playing up. Yeah. So for me, okay. like, I had, when I played at my level, I always had that aggression. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, f- so from there, I played football. Unfortunately, didn't get a scholarship. Um, to college, mm-hmm. um, undersized, right? Is what what they say, Sounds right? Familiar. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then I uh, walked on and, uh, at Rutgers, yep. and it was like a recruited walk on position. Okay. So they knew about me. Yeah. Um, but when I got there, you know, they, they weren't playing any favorites, right? I had to earn my spot, and um, yeah. unfortunately, I tell the story because it kind of really, it was, we have all have moments in our life, and I think that make like a huge difference, like an inflection point, if you will, right? And this one moment, my father called me and was like, "Hey, um, you know, we don't have to, we don't have tuition money. Like your tuition is due. We don't have tuition money, right?" So I wasn't on scholarship, so I was playing full tuition. Yeah, it was that year when I went to college. All my my brothers and sisters moved out. You know, uh, yeah. mom got a raise, dad got some veteran money, so everything, right? So I had to pay full tuition, and unfortunately, they refinanced the house twice in order to pay the first two years. The third year, they couldn't pay it, and. Uh, I went to, to see my position coach, and I can still remember um, him telling me a story. Like, I walk in the room, he's like, hey, I'm looking to let you know I, I'm going to recruit players that are bigger and better than Gary Brackett. I'm like, ouch. Like, it feels like <laughs> right. when your girlfriend brings up with you, like, I'm a, I'm a big guy that are cuter, more money. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, all right. Yeah. That's supposed to motivate me. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what, what's, what's going on here? Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, but then he's like, hey, but, you know, you, you work hard, and you're first in all the drills, and you give me everything you got. And, and I wish I had more of you on my team. And somebody just uh, dropped out of school, right, grades. Um, yeah, B average. So I'm going to give you a scholarship. And that moment, like, changed my life, right, because I'd have been home, um, Glassboro, going to, like, yeah. our little community college. But then this next moment, I went inside of the weight room. One of the guys were in there. His name was Wesley Robinson. He's, like, 6'3", 245 pounds, 6% body fat. So <laughs> just looks like a football player, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he comes up and he's like, what's the commotion? Because I'm happy high-fiving my friends. So I was like, yo, I got a scholarship. I get to stay. And he looked at me in my face and was like, scholarship? You should worry about starting. And then in my mind, I was like, starting? Like, I just got to act up. I got a meal plan. Like, right. like, I was a kid in college, like, you know, trying to borrow meals from people at the meal hall. Like, hey, yeah. you, got, you got some extra swipes? Like, let me in. <laughs> so, um, so that night, I couldn't sleep. I'm, I'm just constantly thinking. I'm just like, you should be the starter. You should be the starter. So then I asked myself the question, like, all right, what would we have to do to be the starter? 
then I started creating this list like, all right, you have to work harder. You have to sh show up, you know, earlier. You have to stay later. You have to watch film. You have to be more disciplined. Yeah. You have to stop eating some food. And that next day, I committed to that list. And I ended up uh, being a um, starter. Um, I was a team MVP for two years, and now I'm in the Rutgers Hall of Fame. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that That's was amazing. that was dope, right? Just that yeah. one decision to kind of change the way I thought about things, right? Because I yeah. think some of us, you know, if you consider yourself the victim, there's a lot of things to blame. But when you take your power back, and, mm -hmm. and you realize, like, hey, what what I do, life is happening um, not to me but for me. And when I start designing and creating my own life, I think that's when it, my life really started to change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's good. So yeah. do you tell Wes, thank you? No, uh, so Wes, like, had a little uh, checkered past uh, in and out of jail, <laughs> right? So, uh, um, but, yeah, if I, if I see him, sometimes I tell a story and I say, uh, he, he looked like Tarzan and played like Jane, so I'm just <laughs> hoping he didn't catch any of his clips. <laughs> Wes, if you're out there, comment below. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Um, so, good good career at Rutgers. Mm -hmm. um, finished off well. Then what happened? Yeah, so then I, um, again, like, I, I walk on at Rutgers. Then um, I was a free agent for the NFL, so I got opportunity. Um, so before the opportunity, like, so I was a business econ um, and I wanted to be like a stockbroker, a trader. Okay. So I had got a job, you know, through one of our alumni at Rutgers, like at, at like Smith Barney, and I was gonna work with them and then train to be a trader, right? Yep. Um, on the back then on the trading floor, it was like seven percent college athletes, right? Just because of the pressure. Right. Yeah. Um, I went to work one day and it was like exhausting. Try to come home and train. I'm like, yo, this 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 ain't it, right? So I called the guy the next day, like, yo, I'm gonna train for this NFL thing, right? He's like, NFL, you? I was like, yeah, man, I don't know, I might have a shot. So, uh, so, so I worked out, man. I got picked up as a free agent with the Indianapolis Colts back in 2003. Okay. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I was able to make an impression on Coach Dungy, played special teams primarily my first two years, but then my third year was a starter and started for the next six years. So I had a nine-year career with the Colts. Um, I had a lot of fun. Um, captain, Super Bowl team, yeah. um, you know, uh, a lot of different events, was able to afford me a lot of different things. Started my own foundation, you know, giving back to, to folks with cancer. So mm -hmm. that's why it's near and dear to my heart. And I love yeah. what you guys are doing. So um, just grateful, right? Just, just right place, right time, and, right. and put the right amount of work in that kind of set me up for what opportunity to be successful. Yeah. yeah. So a question on that. When guys come out of college, they mm -hmm. don't get drafted. Um, they come in as a free agent, and they get picked up by a team. Right. Is it, uh, I don't say normal, but is it, is it pretty common for them to, their, their way onto a team is through special teams? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because most teams look at special teams as like a third, third, a third, like offense, defense, special teams. Sure. So it was a huge part of the game in terms of field position. So, yeah, special teams. But the challenge becomes most of these guys never play special teams. Uh, that was my follow-up yeah. question. It's like, yeah, because they're starters. We, we all go yeah. from this. Like, yeah. you're going from grade school to high school. Like, you might have been the man in eighth grade. Right. Now you're a freshman. You're starting all over again. Go from high school to college, starting right. all over again. To your point, either they haven't, they've never played special teams, or they right. haven't for since high school or whenever. And they're like, you know, in in college, they, think, they, they were above that. Yeah, right. yeah, they, like, I don't yeah. play special teams. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they didn't want to risk me getting injured, you know, on a punt return. Right. So now they have. That's their way in. Yeah. Um. There's a lot that goes on up here. Yeah, um, it's, it's, uh, it's like a, I think it's an Abraham Lincoln quote. Like a lot, a lot of opportunities are missed because they look like overall and it looks like work. Yeah, and I think you know, um, so funny story. So I get there, 
And the first week was like, first couple of days was bad, right? So I'm like fourth string defense, not getting in. I'm third string special teams. And the only problem is like, there's no fourth string defense. There's no third string special teams <laughs> in the NFL, right? Yeah. So it's just like, I'm on these lists. I'm not right. getting in. So it was like a scout team, kickoff team. Brandon Hicks, I never forget. Uh, he was like a three year, four year guy uh, from uh, Bowling Green. And he like he didn't want he want, didn't want to run down on kickoff. He was like, man, I don't want to run down. You put a beanie on your head, you run down. You call it like dummy cards. You just do whatever the card says. Okay. So I was like, I run down for you. He's like, really? Like really? Like who wants to like be on a scout? Let alone <laughs> special team. Let alone scout team special team. <laughs> right. I like hell yeah. I'm like I ain't doing nothing at practice. Yeah. I'm like I gotta do something. So I put the beanie. On. I'm like yo, this is it. So uh, they 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 kicked the ball off and I just took a. Whoop. <laughs> I ran past the guy in the front line who was supposed to block me, ran down, make the play. I was like, who the hell? Where'd you come from? So I get my position. So now the starting guy was like, hey, 58, slow down. I was like, nope. I, I, like I, he gave me the sign, I shook it off. Like, I'm not slowing down. So he was like, all right. So he puts his helmet on. He was like, all right, this is how we want to go. I'm like, yeah, this is this is how we're going to go. So next time, same thing. So this time, I know he's, he, he, he comes running at me. And this thing on special teams, what kills me about football is it's like, I'm paid to get the guy with the ball. Right. Okay. If you don't have the ball, I was never interested in really hitting you. Right. Yeah. So I ran like to him like I was gonna hit him. So he's bracing for impact, and then I just slid right past him. Right. <laughs> missed, he missed the game right down. Like, what, what the? Somebody block him. So that next day, kickoff team, I was scratched out, and I was like number two kickoff bracket. Nice. Nice. Right. So yeah. like, just give me one shot. Right. right. Yeah. I made him the most of it, man. Then yeah. you know I, I got recognized, and after that, I started kickoff my my first year. Then after that, I was like, hey, this this kid could play. Yeah, that's all. How did things progress um, from special teams into getting into the linebacker rotation? Yeah, so um, when I was, um, so I, I was always like a natural born leader, so to speak. Okay. I, again, like I was always like uh, probably one of the best players on my team, so I always was a captain role and understood what that meant um, in regards to like. I wasn't one of those captains, do as I say, not as I do. I was like, yo, yeah. f like, follow me. Yeah. That's the best speech I ever gave, mm -hmm. right? Follow me. Um, so for me, uh, playing hard on special teams, then on scout team defense, like, I would play hard as well, and they would recognize me. Right. And then um, Coach Meeks at the time, our defensive coordinator, was like, yo, this kid is fast. Like, we need the speed on third down. Like, we're getting killed on third down. Right. So they started playing me on some spot rolls on third down. Mm -hmm. And then I started like making plays, interceptions, batting the ball down. And they're looking like, like we got an athlete, like, <laughs> like a, a linebacker position. And and Rob Morris, uh, he was a first round pick, yeah. great dude, but he was like a thumper. He's gonna mm -hmm. come down here and hit you in the mouth. I wasn't gonna hit you, right? I was gonna tackle you, get you down, but I was gonna make a play. Yeah. And yeah. Um, they saw that and I, I, they recognized that. And then um, during my second season, I actually started some games because it's like, you know, you'll play Tom Brady. They start off with three or four wide receivers. Right. And you, you want to put your, your your athlete, so to speak, on the field. Yeah. So after that, they were like, yo, this, I think I think we can win with him. Yeah, That also yeah. fit well with Tony Dungy's scheme. Yeah. He wanted speed versus size, per se. Yep. And that, that kind of fit well with his defense. Yeah, cover so. two, right? So cover two, my responsibility was like 30 to 40 yards down the railroad tracks, right? right. So the, the hashes of the field, my responsibility was to get down in there. So I was quick <laughs> enough to get there, but also smart enough to recognize – what the offense was doing yeah. and, and how to kind of like take advantage of some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate all that you did for the Colts. And yeah. Especially yeah. in 2006. That was, yeah, yeah. That was a yeah. nice year. Yeah. No, yeah. no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Won a Super Bowl. Uh, it was a great experience. Um, I'll tell people it was like, you know, how it was playing in front of all those people. It's just like, it's a regular season game with the whole world watching. 
Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So just you go out there, do your job, man, and had some adversity, but fought through it, man. Came home, uh, yeah, got that trophy. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, quick little story. Super Bowl party, obviously, like everybody else that had an indie. Um, opening kickoff, they the Bears run it back. Yeah, yeah. And there may or may not have been a TV in the house that got broken oh. within the first three minutes of the game. It um, probably wasn't the only TV yeah. in Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fortunately, the game turned out the way it so, did. So, funny story. So, like, it's a third, third, and third, right? So, I was an old special teams guy, so I respect these guys. So, during, during you know, leading up to the game, we're like, yo, don't don't kick it to Devin. Like, right? yeah. that offensive defense yeah. handler. But the special teams guys like, yo, I get paid too. Like, yo, kick it to him. I want I want to do my job on that yeah. TV. So we're all like, all right, man, let's let's see. <laughs> after you ran it back, like, no more kickoffs. <laughs> so uh, I don't think we kicked it to him again after yeah. that. Um, but, pretty yeah. smart. Pretty yeah. smart. Yeah. Well, hey, Gary, uh, September is Leukemia and Lymphoma mm-hmm. Awareness Month, as you know. Uh, what is your cancer story? Yeah. So um, unfortunately, like when I made it to the league, my first year. Um, I had a, quite a bit of diversity. My my father passed in October. Um, he was a Vietnam vet, um, Marine. Um, he just had, had several uh, complications. Um, so unfortunately, that February, my mom went into the hospital for a routine surgery. Uh, and unfortunately, she also passed away. She had a stroke on a recovery table. Uh, wow. During that time, my <clears throat> brother was sick, um, Greg. Um, and a crazy story was Greg was three years older than me, but we were both 5'10". We were both very athletic. We, we looked the same. Um, and I tell the story that that was always great for me because essentially when he turned 21, I turned 21. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Right, um, got the hand-me-down yeah, ID. Yeah, exactly, yep. exactly. Yeah. So, um, but uh, he had got diagnosed with T-cell neuroblastular leukemia and very aggressive form. So several bouts of chemo. First bout, he beat it. Then it came back even more aggressive. At this point, he needed a bone marrow transplant. So it was my second season in the NFL. I lost my mom, my dad, and my brother needs a bone marrow transplant. So I'm his donor. Mm-hmm. Again, we look just alike, and it's like doing my second year training camp. So it's like now I have an opportunity to like earn my spot. Mm-hmm. And training, I'm ready for it. Um, and... It was like I got the call from the hospital, Robert Wood Johnson, New Jersey. It was like, yo, this is now or never. Like, this is the window we have to come in and get your your bone marrow. Like, you you got you to gotta be here next week. So I talked to Coach Dungey, and he really meant it when he said, talked about, you know, um, the faith, family, and football. Mm-hmm. So I explained it to him. He was like, like go. Like, there's 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 nowhere else I want yeah, you no to No questions. Be. Yeah. So I went, and I gave my brother a bone marrow transplant, and – it's crazy because when you're there, you know, it, it sucked. Like, I would get Neuprogen shots and to build my white cells right. so they can extract, you know, what they needed to kind of give him. Um, so mine was like the blood transfusion where they took the white cells out of my uh, right arm. Okay. They ran through the machine, and then they put the red cells back in my left arm. Okay. But it's still two days, and because of my size, my density, my, my, my body mass, they're like, um, I think you got to take three times the – the, the shots of Neuprogen in order for you to like really start producing okay. these white cells. So it was just like injecting the flu to yourself, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just, whoa, it's me, it's bad. But then after I did my transfusion, I went and saw my brother in the room getting treatment and in, in a cold room, um, you know, had a gown on, he had to open up to get, get treatment. And then you just realize like how severe this is. Um, before my brother, like, I, I heard of cancer, but I never really 
impacted me. Right. And then and then after you have that situation, you just learn more and more about the impacts of cancer, not only on that individual, but on their entire families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So when you did the bone marrow transplant, um, that was when? That was 2004. Okay. Yeah. And then how, how long did, did that uh, take effect with, with your yeah. brother? Yeah. So he, he, after the transplant, he actually never was able to recover. Okay. So I think they have a thing, um, graft versus host. Okay. Where the, the transfer doesn't really take. Um, or it takes, but it's like a very aggressive, right? Because yeah. you're introducing someone else's DNA essentially inside your body to kind of reproduce. And um, yeah, so uh, it, he was, the cancer was in remission. So the, the, it worked, but his body wasn't strong enough to take it at the time. Okay. Um, so unfortunately, uh, he passed away. Um, so in like, you know, 16, 18 months, I lost my dad, my mom, my brother, my last one to cancer. So. Um, yeah, four kids. So yeah. I, I kind of stepped in to be their surrogate father, you know, at the ripe age of 24. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, <clears throat> and, and there's still, like, lingering effects of, you know, um, kids losing their parent at a young age sure. and, and what that means, you know, for them and their trajectory of their life. Yeah. So um, how, how old are the kids at the time? Yeah, so, so at the time they were probably like uh, – what like 11 10 like six and four okay yeah so um his son lived with me on two different occasions um the, the youngest son um just trying to help out where i could um but yeah it's it's um it's challenging right um anytime you lose a loved one to cancer and and the impacts that that kind of have and i mean now uh i, I love aunts and uncles to cancer mm-hmm. so um yeah you realize how big of a issue it is, right? And how, how major this is of a disease and why important it is for foundations like yours to raise funds for, for treatment. And um, my foundation raised funds to help them, um, not for treatment, but for um, more, mainly like events and things like that. Thank you events. We got Field of Dreams events and right. things like that. But okay. I think, um, man, the, the, it just wrecks the family sometimes. Right. Yeah. We talk about cancer being like the ultimate non-discriminatory disease because mm. it affects everyone, yeah. regardless of sex, gender, race, religion, nationality. Like it, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty crazy in that in that regard. Um, I almost respect it. I say that sometimes. People are like, well, you respect it? I go, I don't respect cancer, but I respect in the fact that it, it, it doesn't discriminate who it affects. Yeah. So we're all in this together, per mm-hmm. se. Um, so it, uh, I think we all have some sort of a duty, if you will, to, to do what we can to try to, to prevent this thing. Yeah. Um, or mm-hmm. in battle, battle what's in front of us. Um, kind of like what you did on the football field. I mean, there's, there's some similarities there in terms of battling through uh, getting into the starting rotation, just yeah. like your brother battled uh, his own battle. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't work out. But what did we learn from that? What can we do to try to, you know, to save the next Greg? Yeah, um, that's kind of what we're all doing. Um, if you, I know you've encountered other uh, patients. Um, what what message do you have for cancer patients that, who are, are fighting the fight? <clears throat> so this there's like. It's tough, right? Because it's not. I don't think this is like true scientific research, but it's definitely neuro, neuroscience research that your brain is just so powerful when you attack it in mm-hmm. terms of like 
if you have the mentality that I'm going to beat this and I'm going to get through this and I'm going to be a testimony, I'm going to share, and it's going to suck and I'm going to embrace it, or, or are you just going to give up and just think yeah. that this is it and this is over? And the the patients that I see that want to fight this and they're optimistic, their chances of survival are just much higher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We talk about attitude a lot, yeah. and that's exactly yeah. what that is. I mean, um, someone had told me the same thing. So, you you know, you got to have a positive attitude through it all. I'm like, you know, they're, they're, don't get me wrong, there's days where you're like, this this sucks. Like, yeah. well, what the hell? But um, you're right. That, that attitude, you've got to embrace it to really fight through. Um, this sounds really kind of corny but when i was a freshman at iu it was a pledge at a fraternity and we were going through certain things yeah, yeah. you know some guys handled it better than others but we we're like hey if so-and-so we're not saying names if so-and-so <laughs> can get through this you can get through yeah, it. you're yeah. just fine yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's it's funny how like when i went through my experience i kind of re- you know re- relayed that to myself and said hey um i know other people who have gone through this mm-hmm get your ass through this. Yeah. Let's go. And and I think is, I I heard Deion saying this, say this. Um, and he talked about, he was, he pulled his team up and he was like, Hey guys, I I want you to do something for me today. He was like, when you go out there and work hard, I don't don't want you to do it for you. He was like, because time and time again, we'll quit on ourselves. Time and time again, we'll fall short for ourselves. It was just us. Right. But do it for that one person that you love. Do it for that one person that got you to where you are today. Mm-hmm. And when you think of it like that, right, it's like some person, whether your kids, your wife, yeah. your 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 parents, there's somebody you won't quit on. So if you keep them in mind when you when you're fighting things like that, it just it just helps out that much better. Because for ourselves, we're just like, I tried it, right? It's little old me, but <laughs> but when we think about someone else, it's just like, right, it's too soon. Yeah. 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 So we think about the old oak and bucket game, do it for the bucket. Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. That's exactly what I think whenever that, whenever that comes up or whenever it goes up. What what's the record between the the oak and bucket game? Is there Oh, is I don't this, I don't think is it's it, in, is it, it's close, right? It's almost is it easy? I should know this. I don't, I don't know I, the answer. I I would venture to guess that it's it's more in uh IU's camp than it is Purdue. Yeah. Didn't we, uh, we lose the last two years? Um right? I, I Even though we should have won last year, I don't know how that happened. Yeah, but they came back and beat you. Yeah, I, I went to the game last year when when uh, Rutgers played at you. Oh yeah, it was well, like, you guys won I, last year. We did win last year. Okay. Oh, Chris pulling there, there up. There we go. Look at this. Look at this. There we go. Wow. Oh look at that. There we go. Oh Stat wow. Man, okay. Stat I'm, I'm totally off. I would have seventy-five guessed. to forty-two Purdue. Wow. That, Come on, Hoosiers. <laughs> what the hell. I mean, oh. it should make you feel better. I didn't know. Who is Rutgers' biggest rival? In football, yeah, or, or in, general. in general, yeah, yeah. Um, it was like Temple, okay. Like when we we're back, Big East, you yeah. know, two local right. close schools. Uh-huh. Um, Cause Temple's but, in Philly, correct? Yeah, okay. Temple's in Philly, but that was our closest school. But because we were historically bad, like you got to win games to have a <laughs> rival, right? Yeah, <laughs> it has to yeah. be like the other team when I would play for the Colts, uh, Jaguars. Like, yeah, we're rivals. I'm like, nah, 
Hey, you're our yeah. little kid brother. We're like, yeah. we kick your guys' ass. Like, it's not, it's not a rival. We're a rival with the Patriots. Like, yeah. we're back and forth. Yeah. yeah. You? Exactly. Hey. Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have to say that. So, one of our sales managers, um, on the, my the for profit side is a Rutgers grad. Okay. Very proud Rutgers Smart guy. grad. Yeah. Ivy um, League. One, one of the few cars driving around Indy with this big red R yeah, on the back. I, I like, like it. I oh, I know it. who that is. Exactly. Um, so we go to the Rutgers IU game last mm-hmm. season down in Bloomington. Yep. And, you know, IU did not exactly have the, was the there. season that we thought we were. Yes. And it was not very far in the game. And I was just like, all right. I owe you at least a couple of beers at this point. What, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think it was by and the, the weather was not. It was cold. It was rainy. Yeah. Not a great day. And I think at halftime I was ready to go. I stuck it out for the third quarter. But then it was like you guys scored another two touchdowns maybe. And I was like, I, you can stay. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> funny. I had my little boy with me on the sideline. And he was trying to tough it out. I was like, bro, it's miserable out here. Like, Wait, which sideline were you on? Uh, of course, the Rutgers, the winning sideline. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. The correct one. Yeah, the correct side. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I always speak to the team like before the game. Okay. So I spoke to them before the game. Um, it's funny, like, uh, not uh, I guess, was it two years ago, three years ago? Um, I left because IU was like whooping Rutgers. Okay. And I left at like halftime. <laughs> and then Rutgers came back. It was like a huge comeback. Yeah. Um, Thanks for that. That's yeah. awesome. Add, uh, yeah. add that into the uh-huh. to the mix. All right. Well, I guess it'll be not this season, but next the next time that Rutgers comes into yes. Bloomington, we'll make sure you let me know if you're going down there. Yes, we'll I will coordinate the tailgate. I, I like it. Whatever happens, happens. I'll borrow a Rutgers jersey if you have one. Yes. Okay. I, I get you. <laughs> I'll refrain from saying what I was going to say. <laughs> Well, um, Gary, what uh, what advice? We, we talked about this already a little bit, but what what advice? If you're going to you're going to visit kids at Riley, you're mm-hmm. going to see other maybe adult patients. Um, what what other message do you try to instill in them in terms of you know what they're going through? I mean, we talked about attitude. That's certainly the, the probably the biggest thing. But is there anything else that you would uh, we want to tell them? Yeah, I think for me, um, being empathetic to those people that and what they're going through. Yeah. And and what it what stories they tell themselves. Um <clears throat> but and this sounds crazy, but I, I, I wholeheartedly believe it. It's like the man cried he had no shoes until he met the man with no feet. So yeah. even when like we're dealing with our worst, there's someone out there that has it worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think when you had that perspective, like I have for a number of years had this luncheon, tender heart luncheon. And it was for moms because moms always, a lot of times, bear the brunt of, of kids being sick and, and with the pa- patients. So yeah. just a, a, a day to give them a moment and kind of honor them. And, you know, moms are there. One kid has cancer. You know, it's been back and forth at the hospital. And then she's at a table with a mom who has two kids with cancer. One has tumors. One has – and just, you just hear the stories of how, like – so moms come out there grateful. Um, it, it's just saying, like, if, if we all were sitting around the table – and we threw all of our issues in in the middle of, of the pile, and we saw everyone's issue. We'll gladly grab our issues back. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like right. um, just being, you know, grateful for your opportunity is just like, and that doesn't mean everyone's a great one. Um, you know, some someone just like you know, you 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 get things in your life so you could be a testimony. Like you beating cancer. Like yeah. how many lives have you impacted as a result of that? And sometimes, you know, I think I, I wholeheartedly believe that like God gives us stuff as bad as to us as braver soldiers. And I think, you know, your testimonial, what you do um, after you get through, I think it just speaks volumes of like the character that, that, that you know, someone has. So um, it's, it's hard hearing it in a moment 
because they're in the thick of things. Um, but I just know that every storm eventually runs out of rain. Yeah. Well said. And, and you just have to be there long enough to survive it, to really come out the other side and, and be better off for what you went through. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, a couple of props you brought. What's your, oh, yeah. Tell us about those. So a uh, third book, um, kind of write books in my free time. Um, <laughs> um, now, but this book was uh, important for me. Uh, it's called 30 Days of Diversity. Um, just to talk about diversity and inclusion and how we could be more welcoming to people and their ideologies, their, you know, what they identify as. Um, you know, every time we talk about diversity and inclusion, it's always like race. But it's so much bigger than race in terms of like gender, identity, mm-hmm. you know, um, ageism. There's so many different things that we deal with. So there's like a book and a workbook. Um, now, you know, I, I get to speak a lot for a living. Yeah. Um, but with three kids, you know, sometimes it's challenging to speak. So now I can put it in books and platforms. Now I can kind of sell those things and, and get people, you know, brought up to speed on, you know, some of the things that I'm passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. I'd imagine the shift to um, more virtual meetings yes. assisted you in helping to reach more a wider audience. Yeah, that that, that yeah. was that was great. I think um, when it first started, I think everyone wanted to be like out there and have a virtual meeting. I think yeah. um, for the last few months, at least, it feels like people have been burnt off. Oh yeah, that, oh, the, yeah. the whole Zoom. It's meeting, a right? it's a it's a fine balance now, <laughs> the whole right? Pajama yeah. pants uh-huh. and, uh, and 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 shirt and tie top. Uh-huh. Um, but I think. It really just shows you the potential that we have in the world just as business owners and how like something like this, like before this message was potentially just local, right? You mm-hmm. have big events, but now with podcasts, with cameras and microphone, this is a global message. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. Anyone can hear this and see what you're doing and can yeah. potentially like come in and, and pitch in or help out in some type of way. So just the beauty of the times, right? Like what you're able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And I always say it's not an advantage unless you take advantage of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's no True. advantage uh-huh. that we have over the people in the 1950s and 40s if we don't have mics and video and we don't take advantage of it and document some of the stuff that we're doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Well yeah. Yeah. Um, any questions you have for us? No, just um, so the, the the podcast. How long have you guys been been doing this podcast? Uh, we started in was it April, April of last year. So yeah, April of last year, year and a half ish, a yep. little over a year. Awesome. Yeah. And what, what have you learned? Like what 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 aha moments have you had? <laughs> Huh. A lot. A lot. Um, yeah. I so two things that I've two biggest things I've learned. One is I really enjoy it. Mm. Like I wasn't sure. And the very first night we did two, did two in a row in and a it row. was in the evening. Yeah, it was late. I literally yeah. had just driven back from spring break, came in here that night. We did knocked out our first two episodes. You know, it didn't look I had no experience. Yeah. And our um, our second one was remote too. So right. it was oh, like so yeah. we tackled both our first two podcasts and a remote one. Yeah. I remember it was like, it was like nine or nine 30 at night. And I I should have been like just dead tired, but like that was awesome. Like I I could do one more if we had, had another guest. Um, that, so that for sure, I, I I just really enjoy doing it. Um, the second thing is I'm just not that good. (laughs) And I, and I I freely admit that each, each episode I watch, I'm like, all right, you did this well, but you need to work on that or you work on this and yeah. stop saying um all the time and just little yeah, th- little bits and pieces. <laughs> There'll always be the filler words. That's what Chris is for. He's supposed yeah, to edit those out exactly. for you. That's true. Yeah. true. Good editor. <laughs> yeah. And I think being good is subjective. But the beautiful sure. thing, you didn't let your thoughts and story of you saying that you're not good stop you from, from doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Most people never get started. Correct. 
Yeah. I have him to thank for that. Right. So, so we talked about that beforehand. Yeah, exactly. I was like, when he started asking, I was like, I don't know. And then, I, then we ultimately came, came to the conclusion we want to do this, but if we're going to do it, it, we don't. Let's not half-ass it, right? Yeah. 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 Um, let's. Uh, Matthew McConaughey hey, had a video that went out yesterday talking about his dad saying not half-ass it. My dad used to always use that term with yeah. me all the time. Um, but that was the same thing. We, let's let's not half-ass it when yep. we do this. Um, and when I hear people who watch either this one or another one we've got that says, "Oh yeah, I caught that episode. That was that was great." I'm like, then it's like, oh, that, that yeah. feels good. Yeah, yeah, All right, we're doing yeah. something yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. If somebody, you know took away something from it or we have guests who say you know what i was really nervous about doing this especially because mm -hmm. it's video too yeah. they, if it was just audio they can kind of hide behind the microphone um but especially if those who've been who've been really affected they say you know what that was very therapeutic yeah and yeah. so i'm like not just the listeners maybe get something out of it but if the guests got something out of it then yeah it's worth doing yeah, even if if nobody watched it hearing you know having talking to one of the guests that said yeah i had never we've had a couple of guests that have said they've never told this story like that before end to yeah. end and uh, you know kind of came away thinking that you know it, it helped them in some fortunes like if nobody saw it that alone was worth it or um i know there was somewhere you know loved ones had hadn't heard the story from mm. some the person's perspective who was telling it or hadn't heard it in that way and it just gave them a new perspective on what either they went through or them as a family or a friend or something that they had maybe never even had an idea that they went through it or something. And so I think that's been pretty cool to see. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, if it helps the person on the other side of the table, that's worth it. Whether we get one view or a million views. Yeah. So. yeah. I, I think it'd be beneficial, especially like, you know, every year it affects so many different people. And when people are, are newly diagnosed, I always get the question, like, what should I do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think we grew up in a society where, our, our our common gesture is like if you need anything like ask me mm -hmm. and, and and i think that puts so much pressure on the person who actually needs something right yeah. especially yeah. like when you have cancer when you're fighting cancer in your family the last thing you want to do now is be vulnerable mm -hmm. and ask for something and be rejected Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, yeah. so I think, you know, just hearing the stories of what people go through and just like for, for people that are out there, like, how could you proactively help? Yeah. Like, you're not, it is not rocket science. Like, people yeah. need food, they need, yep. they need shelter, they need what? Like, they, they got kids, yep. they need, like, so some of these things. So I've always now, when I haven't gone through so much adversity, like, now it's like, I'm so amped to just like want to just support something or just, yeah. here you go. Um, it's like, you didn't have to do that. It's just like, no, I would rather you not have to ask for yeah. it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, guys, yeah. Gary just hit the nail on the head there. Uh, to steal, I guess, Nike's term, just yeah, do it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you're 100% you're, you're correct in that everyone says, well, you know, just let me know if you need anything. I'm there. But don't don't wait for them to ask because then they feel awkward asking. They yeah. don't, they're yeah. already in a, in, a, in a weird state. Just freaking do it. Yeah. If it's laid on your heart and you see someone's doing great work, just support it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't have to ask you to go to a foundation. You know what the mission is. You heard it. Yep. Like, I, and, and, and any amount. I got, right. Oh, yeah. It's, it all adds up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, it's, it's too little. I won't do No, that much would be great. I, yeah. I thank you. I'm uh -huh. grateful. Yep. Yeah. So I think it's that that mentality just like, I feel like sometimes we play small to ourselves in terms of like, what little old me could do? Like, a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. and and too often we rely on so few people to do so much lifting. Mm-hmm. Where we all can contribute. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
cool. Well, great words to conclude on. Gary, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Summits Podcast. Yeah, thank uh, you. If you guys, make sure you get out there, pick up 30 Days to Diversity. Check out Gary's new book there. Um, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Summits Podcast from wherever you get your podcast. For those of you guys, join us on the Heroes Foundation YouTube channel. Thank you for viewing in today. If you haven't subscribed, hit that subscription button and click on the little notification bell so you can be alerted when new episodes like this one drop. And don't forget, let's all band together and beat cancer. Thank you.